When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Welcome to Knife Talk. Now today maybe there may be one or two technical issues as we're using all new equipment we're already a man down unfortunately Mareko um we've had some issues so he'll be joining us again next week um he's actually moved house so we got problems with internet connection there's there's lots of stuff going on but here is myself Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives and I'm joined as I am every week by Jeff Fader of Fader Knives testing testing can you hear me Jeff yeah, I can hear you. For now, we're all squared away, but boy, we're beaten and battered. We've been we've been sitting around saying, Are you, can, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me for the last hour? Man, it's it was brutal. Brutal. Once we're dialed in, we're good to go. But yeah, it's, it is just a case of getting everything dialed in. Uh, I, need, I need to drink. I need to drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, listen, here's the thing. We just got our new gear. Uh, I got this beautiful new microphone. Um, I got this, all this stuff you sent me. It looks great. My, uh, my, my podcasting booth is almost 100% ready. I may or may not have built myself into a, a problem. I, could, I, I, I made all the doors. This is hilarious. I made all the doors so they swing into the wall. And then, you know, so the problem is, is now I can't get the chair in. (laughs) I can't get the chair in. I can't close. I I had a, I had a, a a little desk that swings down. So when I'm, when I'm not using the room, it all swings up. And then when you, when you get everything in there, you can't open any of the doors. So I'm trapped in there. So you have to stand on the desk to to open the door. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I had to, I couldn't get the doors open or closed. I couldn't get the, the chair into the room. Uh, it was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm the stupidest guy around. So I have to like, I gotta get up. I'm having like a little bit of, a, I'm having a little bit of a problem, problem, not as much of a problem as we are right now, uh, but you know, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Hopefully this is going to sound good. 
and um, we'll get over the coming weeks. You know, things will improve massively. Um, but I'm here. I'm in my new booth too. So um, painted completely black. It's like a late night radio DJ here. It's, I'm loving it. Yeah. Um, so I've got these acoustic tiles up, and they cover that sort of thirty to forty percent of the wall, like they say, and the rest is all black. So, yeah, if I turn a light off in here, it is absolutely pitch pitch black. I'm loving it. That's what I'm I like. It. That's what I like. That's why when I'm in here now, I have all the equipment. And it, be honest with you, this I've never heard. It sounds so great with this new microphone. Mm. I definitely, when we, before we were having problems, we could out hear echo, and I could hear the echoing of my stomach gurgling. So if you hear a little tiny, like, uh, that's called ball, uh, uh, ball berignus or something like that, when you hear the, like, gut, the gut sound, you're going to hear some of my guts today. That's fine. Some of your ball berignus. Yeah. Yes. I've been sick. I've been, fu- you know, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. When we recorded last episode, I, I was sick. I had no idea, and um, when I we finished, and I when we finished, I packed something up to send it out, and then I went straight home. And I had a temperature, I had a fever. I had I came down with the flu. We went to the doctor. They tested me and put this thing up my nose, and they said, "All right, you got the flu, you got flu A." And if you and I listened to when you put up the last podcast, and I definitely sound a little bit on the delirious side. I'm like totally overdoing it just a little bit. I, I heard I was just like, "God, man, I could tell that I'm sick right there." So I've been at home for a week, and wow. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So what, what just in front of the TV, what, what have you been doing for the week? Oh, sleeping. Because it's like I've been watching – my wife's a nurse practitioner, and I'm convinced I got it. We had uh, – my cousin sent her daughter to visit us. We do that. We They're both uh, 14 years old. My daughter and my cousin's daughter is 14, year, 14 years old. So we do what's called uh, – we send them on the airplane back and forth, ones that my my – cousin lives in California and we're living in New York. So we do this thing where it's called, uh, I guess it's called, if you have a kid under 15, you have, you can't just send them to the airport and get on a plane. You have to do what's called a, a unaccompanied minor. So you have to go through security and wait at the gate. And so I've been, I was at the airport waiting for my cousin. And then when she showed, when we were going home, I was, in, I was in the airport for a long time and I'm convinced that's where I got it. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of Netflix and then a lot of sleep. I slept a pile. I actually took like I had scheduled naps in, and it was just like it was kind of good, but I felt like total total garbage. But we're we're, we're getting back. So twenty twenty so far started a little bit rough. With the podcast we got Mareko. He was up. He was almost here, but he can't get squared away. We're getting this all squared away. And how are you? I'm good. I'm good. So. Like you just said, you've been ill. I, I had like a day or two of it as well. Just, you know, I was in bed. It felt as if I'd had a hangover. And I've, I've right. speaking to my wife, I felt like I've had this for weeks and weeks, just bubbling away. Every morning waking up and just that little bit sluggish, a headache every morning. And it, it's like I've had a hangover. And without being too graphic, my pee has been like super dark as well. And I'm just like, oh, something's not right here, you know? Without um, being too graphic, you got dark pee. Yeah, uh, dark pee, dark pee. If you can all imagine, <laughs> dark pee. There we go. Um, that's from yeah, a Star Wars movie, right? Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I just haven't been feeling like motivated. I've just been, every morning, it's just been a struggle to get up out of bed. And, you know, part of me was thinking that's January blues, you know, Christmas is over and, you know, all the rest of it. But, um, I've been to the doctors and they've taken blood tests and I went for actually a scan on my head as well and the rest of it. All came back good and I'm and I'm slowly getting better. But I, I, 
I think maybe it was like a kidney infection or a liver infection, something like that. But um, huh. yeah, I'm, I'm feeling better now. Um, but I've been um, not so much working on knives as such, but working on the the booths and stuff here. So the um, the audio booth is is virtually finished. Um, but my my father in law has been staying with us since Christmas. He's been staying over here. Um, it's, it's a long story, but they're buying a house in France too. So they've been you know touring around looking at houses, that kind of thing. And he's one of those guys who just cannot keep still. You know, from the moment he wakes till he crashes into bed, yeah. doesn't keep still. So he's like, well, what can I do? What can I do? And he's, you know, he's walking around with a hammer, literally looking, where can I make a hole? You know, it's like, oh, just point him in that direction and he'll make a hole. So I said, well, well I'd love a grinding room, actually. So like, I've got this booth on one side of, of my shop. And if I had a grinding room on the other side, it would keep dust out and it would be, you know, it'd make a nicer place to work. And that was it. It took him a day and he smashed up the grinding room. So I've now got a separate grinding Whoa. room too. So it's been very handy having him here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just one of, it just opens up a, a whole bag of other problems then. So like my ventilation, what am I going to do about that? And all these different things. So it's been a massive sort of change to the, uh, to the workshop over the last, over the last sort of 10 days, what with this booth and the grinding room and, and so on. So, um, I, I'm just looking forward to getting back into getting these orders out because I've got a bunch of orders that, you know, that they're coming up to being a little bit late and I'm, I'm even sluggish. I just need, I need to get my arse in gear basically. So that's what this week is going to be all about. All right. Well, what did the doctor say in regards to your... I'm waiting on um, results for the blood tests, but the head scan, like the MRI that they did, that was almost immediate. They were just like, oh, there's no issues there. You, you, you're good. Um, so, yeah, I'm waiting on the uh, blood results. But I think they're just going to say it was some sort of infection because, you know, I, I'm feeling 90% better now. So um, yeah, nothing to worry about. I'm, I'm, I'm all good. Well, when I, had, uh, when I had the flu, man, I was peeing like a racehorse. It was unbelievable. I mean, like the volume of urine was like incredible. Uh-huh. So, and it was crystal clear. I mean, it was Oof. like, I mean... I wish I wish my goggles, my glasses were as clear as though my pee because it was it was <laughs> felt great, <laughs> felt great and it looked great. That was this a pristine pee, urine right there. Pee heavy episode already. <laughs> well, maybe we should get back into it. This is this is getting a little bit uh you know unnecessary. So yeah, so so what else you've been doing? I've seen you posted some pictures of these um, these folders that you the uh, the friction folders. Is that Man, for, I love for, for classes or something, isn't it? Um, I'm going to teach a clinic down at uh, Doghouse Forge in uh, February. Uh, we're going to we're going to do a one day friction folder class, and then I'm going to do a, a tong making class and a bottle opener class. Um, they're just, you know, I've always, I've never when I was a kid, I liked folding knives, and and, and the problem is, is, I tried to do one slip joint knife a while ago, and god damn it, was gave me nothing but fritz, mm-hmm. and. I just, when I tried to do the, the friction folder class, because uh, the friction folders, it was so much more fun. The forging part is so much more fun than anything else. I'm not a fan of, I don't enjoy standing by the grinder. So being able to forge an, the knife, and, and you know, really the, the only difference between forging like a hidden tang knife and a friction folder blade is you have an offset tang. You know, that's what the lever is. Mm. So it was a pretty easy transition so it was fun and i and now all of a sudden i only you only need you know an inch of you know three inches of material you don't need even like a scrap and i was knocking things out i had a piece of uh sand my from uh isaiah schroeder and 
I just forged a little bit of blade out and, you know, I don't go, I didn't go crazy, but it was, it's, you know, you can do all the mechanics before you heat treat. So it's very easy. And then once you're, once you, you have it all working, then you heat treat everything and then temper it and it goes pretty quick. So that was a lot of fun. Those are a lot of fun to make. I mean, especially if you have a forged handle and you're not worrying, there's no glue to dry and there's no carving and there's no mm. handle sanding. There's no sanding. I mean, there was really no sanding. So it takes out a lot of work and I really enjoyed making them. Um, and then actually I uh, kind of, I had a small kind of a, uh, a couple came in to do a bottle opener class at my shop. So they hired me out for the day and we made bottle openers yesterday. And I was the first day I was kind of really kind of working for a while um, after being sick and I felt real good. And it was a real nice day. I had a good time. And um, I love teaching bottle openers is probably of all the blacksmithing stuff. It's the most fun because you can do a lot of introductory stuff and you can learn a lot of things. And then at the end, you actually have something you can use. So, so well, the, these, uh, friction folders, is that what you'll be teaching in the class? Yeah. That we're going to do friction nice. folders down at doghouse. Um, it's just simple, very simple, nothing crazy. Um, uh, just nice and simple, simple forging, simple transitions. Um, the mechanics, real easy mechanics, and, you know, I've been making a few of them and just, you know, I want people to have a real good time. My opinion about these classes and I, you know, I push, I push for classes a lot and you almost have two different types of students. You have t the kind of student who's really like looking forward to being a knife maker or a blacksmith and they're trying to get better. And then there are other people who they're never going to forge. They're not going to buy a forge. They're not going to buy anvils and hammers and stuff like that. They just want to make something and then they, that's what they want to make. So I really like those types of students because, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily want to, um, you know, invest in getting forges and stuff. So hopefully this is that kind of thing. It's, it's kind of more, it's, uh, a lot of the students who are going to be taking that have taken classes with Jonathan uh, Porter before. So, It'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. But it'll, they're not guys who want to buy anvils and forges. They just want yeah, to like take yeah. classes and you know have something that they said that they made. Nice. So, nice. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Shall, yeah. We'll see. I'm sure it will be. Nothing to see. I'm sure there will be. Shall we get on with some news? All right. Well, that's more. Con you're more confident than I am, but that's fine. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, here we are. This is Knife Talk News. You know, we do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, tell you what's going on in the world. I don't have my Artisans of Steel calendar in front of me. It's actually in the trunk of the car. <laughs> I'm sitting in the car, so I'm telling amateur. you this. Well, here's the, what I'm going to tell you, amateur. That's right. I, well, I was we weren't expecting to. I was I didn't look at the notes before we, you know, Breco decided he couldn't do it. Breco is selling a new calendar, and the calendar is from January to December. It's a standard style calendar with all new um, all new uh, knife makers and bladesmiths. It's definitely worth having. It has all the stuff, um, all the things that are going on throughout the month, uh, throughout the year. Definitely go over to Smith & Bard or, you know, you click on Mareko's link and it'll send you to you know, buy his calendar. So you can do that. And um, you want to take uh, the well, here we are. New England School of Metalwork has got new classes. Um, I'm, I, they're pumping out some really interesting classes, and I think that a lot of ABS heavy stuff. So if you're looking to become, uh, go into the American Bladesmith Society, and you're looking to further yourself as a knife maker, 
the um the New England School of Metalwork is for sure worth checking out. Check out their new classes, not all knife making. Um as we've said once, we've said a thousand times, you know, learning on YouTube is good, tricks and tips are good, but there is nothing better than working with a very skilled teacher who's going who are who are gonna make who's gonna make you better. Nick Rossi is that guy. Uh, Ashley Childs had an awesome time um, with Nick. He's a great, great teacher, and he's ready to go. Maraca has just joined us. <laughs> this is going to be ugly. All right. <laughs> well, what, what's what's going on though? What's going? We I I just plugged the artisans and steel calendar. What's going on in January? Maraca? So uh, later this month. Uh, actually, I'm, I got it right here. Uh, it's going to be SHOT Shows happening uh, down in Las Vegas. And that is from January 21st to the 24th. And then uh, the Las Vegas Custom Knife Show is the 24th and the 25th of this month. That's it. That's all that's there happening this go. month. And we'll take you as you that we'll was, take you as that you're was here. smooth. You popped up and you <laughs> you had everything ready to go. That was cool. You 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 came in right at the right time. Go mm-hmm. ahead. We've had some news in from Sun and Stars Forge, um, and I, I see exactly why you've asked me to do this one. So the the Deutsches Klingen Museum, I think that's how it's pre- uh, pronounced. Sounds in better than Solingen, I would have said it. Germany. So Klingen Museum. I, I thought that was a Star Trek thing. Klingen a Klingen Museum. The Deutsches Klingen Museum in Salingen, Germany, is hosting a knife and sword show this May, 9th, 10th of May. Um, he's going to be going there as well as a few other knife makers from the US, Dakota Slack of Kota Knives and Rusty Griffin, who are both super talented. <laughs> Sorry. Good copy right there. Emiliano gave us some good copy. <laughs> um, they're both talented dudes. Uh, there's a few friends from different places showing up, including the Fontania brothers from Argentina. So it should be a great show, he's saying. The address is knife-solingen.de for anyone who wants to apply and come hang out with, with Rusty and Dakota and uh, Sun and Stars Forge. Yep, there you are. Whilst we're talking about shows, I noticed something pop up on Instagram this week. So um, a new account, which was UK Blade Show. Um, and I think I've done a little bit of investigating. I think it's the guys who run the Society of British Cutlers account. So I think they're setting up an event. So they've only put one post up at the moment, and I think it's a bit of a teaser. So go follow UK Blade Show. And if you're from the UK or Europe, hopefully we're going to get a, a decent um Blade Show coming to us soon, which would be really cool. Last bit of news is our not we we sort of talked about it last week very briefly a a build along for our our listeners. Um, so I'm working with a a new sponsor which will be coming on board from next week. We are hoping to get it for this week, but there's lots and lots of things happening, so it's going to be super super cool. So the idea is we're going to have a build along over a couple of weeks. Um, so by the end of it, anybody who's doing it with us will have will have a finished knife. Now, there's an easy way of doing it, or there's a really hard way of doing it, and we've chosen the really hard way. So we're putting a lot nice. of work in up front. So what that means is whether this is going to be your first knife you've ever made or whether you're a seasoned, accomplished knife maker, you'll be able to do this as well. But obviously, you know, take things a little bit further. 
The idea is that we'll all share what we're building. Um, we're going to see maybe some different ways of doing things. So whether you've never made a, a blade and you don't have any equipment, we're still going to talk you through building this knife. So it's a bit of a radio tease. I so said we were hoping to go from this week, but it's going to be from next week. And we've got a really good offer for you as well if you'd like to have um, a blade printed. This is a bit of a tease. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So we're hoping lots of you are going to do this, do this build along. We'll have lots of examples of the same knife. And it's going to be great fun. I just got a message from Reco. He's gone. <laughs> so, so he snuck in for he snuck in, and now he's gone. But he came in at the right time. He had the news, and he disappeared. That's what more can he, we ask he for? He did. We he did what we needed him to do, and you know we we'll, we'll get. He just moved. Mareko just moved to a new, new place, and they don't have the internet connection. So he gonna he gonna yeah. You never know with him. He might just pop in right when we're we're time for the beefs. You never know. Who knows. Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! So now we're into the real meat of the show. So these are the uh, listener questions. Hey man, can I ask you a question? Do you want to take the first one, Jeff? Yes, this one comes from ZJ Creates. Hey man, can I ask you a question? Is there an advantage to building a forge versus buying a forge? I need a new forge because mine sucks. And uh, near as I can tell, the cost would be the same to build or buy. I love the podcast. What do you think mm. about building equipment in general? Well, to be honest, I built the very first forge that I had, and it was one of those really bad sort of um, big coffee cans, you know, and you'd like yeah. it with the factory cement and all the rest of it. And, you know, it worked just, but it was it was a lot of work. It was it was very messy. And I then went out and just bought one of those little devil forges because, you know, I, I don't forge blades anyway. Right. Um, but, you know, I just mess around with it really. So a little devil forge, it was really cheap. And I just think, why the hell did I make that piece of junk beforehand? So I suppose if you're confident and you've made that kind of thing regularly, go for it. But, um, you know, there's so many options out there to purchase that uh, – Make sure you have a good look around, I suppose. It's funny because I have friends who love building equipment, like mm. um, Matt Paul, MP Knives. He made the most beautiful tire hammer you've ever seen. He liked doing it. He said it was probably, you know, it wasn't worth the time. If he had paid for him, paid himself, the cost of it would have been way more expensive than anything else yeah. with the materials and stuff. And like Cliff Dufton, Cliff Dufton makes the most incredible everything. These guys like doing this. They like to make their forges. They like to make their presses and their hammers. And they like, you get a little bit of satisfaction from doing it. In regards to the down to the barrel, uh, the economy, the economics of it, is it like, is it cheaper to make a forge versus buying it? Forges are not as expensive as, as other things. I mean, I think that if you're confident and happy and enjoy and get the inner satisfaction from building this stuff, you should definitely make a forge. You can buy the burner. Uh, you can, you know, take a, you know, get a can and make a burner. You can make a forge. Mm. It's a question of what you want to get into it. I hate building everything. Like I don't really, I don't enjoy building tools. It took me a while to enjoy building 
tongs and hammers. When I first started out, I didn't, I had no interest in making hammers. Now all of a sudden I'm getting into it and stuff like that. I built my first forge alongside John Ledford. I did, I did it to learn. And, but at the same time, it wasn't like, I, I wasn't like, should I buy or build? It was like, it was a, per, it's a personal thing. I say, if you enjoy building a forge, go ahead. If you don't enjoy building a forge, go yeah. buy one. You know, that's ultimately, that's in my opinion. Makes sense. I don't, Makes I sense. mean, forges are pretty inexpensive. You can get a, I mean, considering what you can get out of it, you can get a pretty good forge for under 600 bucks. Easy, you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Moss Knives says, why do most makers not post prices with an Instagram? I see a lot of makers just put DM me for price. And he's thinking about starting to sell in 2020. Maybe he says. <laughs> mm. I, I love this question. Yeah. You, you, go on, you go first. I've got I don't want it. people to fucking say, well, why is you're more expensive than this guy? Exactly. I don't, it gets to the point where it's just like, you know, the, the funny thing is, is we try to talk about with these being products and we, you know, are we artists? Are we artisans? Are we craftspeople? You, you're, if you're in business and you're trying to like, you don't want to have to justify in a public forum your pricing. Well, why is this shouldn't be that bad? Or, you know, this guy sells it for, you know, a hundred bucks cheaper. Why should I go? You don't want to turn into like this. You don't want to, as I, I'm going to say this with peace and love, you don't want to deal with the rabble, you know, because that's what it comes down to. All of a sudden, mm. you know, you know, Dick Trickle over in Montana is giving you trouble about something, <laughs> something, and you don't need it. You know, and the other thing is, is like, it is, it is, it is a little bit like, uh, it's just, it's unnecessary. It's just, I don't fucking, I don't like that. I don't want to, you know, if something like, if I do a bottle open or something, I'll do that and stuff. But other than that, but if it's like, I'm done, I don't want to like, this isn't like a used card shop, you know, it's like, and I'm, and also I'm not looking to, to do the lowest price possible and act now and 30% off and yeah. uh, I don't want to deal with that. And then I have also have ball. Tony. Tony deals with that. I It's to the point where I don't have to deal with the pricing at all. So you, you got to go direct. Yeah. Well, I think like 99.9% .9 of people who will see a post aren't buying. They're just not buying right. anyway. But if, if, right. if, the, if the price is up there, you're just going to have, like you said, so many – everybody's got an opinion – and these opinions are going to be on there, and all of a sudden these discussions are happening. People reply, it's out of your hands at that point. And I just think, why put yourself through that? You know, it's you know, yeah. The web, the, remind, you know, the prices prices will be up on the website. It's it's all. If you're serious about buying, you can go there and you can see it all. But I just think, yeah, it's just putting the prices up. It, it's just going to cause mayhem. You know what this reminds me of, which brings us back to something we did a few a while ago. Somebody sent me a message saying that there's a guy who's um, ripping. He took a picture of my knife, and then he's saying, "I'll make this for you." And you know what we're talking about is these yes, guys yeah. who are like taking your images and say, and 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 uh, I think it was Bob Rankin. Bob Rankin went after him, and he said to me, "He's like, you know, you should you should you know go after this guy, and he's taking your stuff." And it's like, and I had already blocked the guy. And we did that before. We went after we went after a couple of these guys just to kind of for fun and stuff like that. I'll be honest with you, it became something that it was too it was too much of an emotional. It was too much time spent on this nonsense, and I'm trying to spend the least amount of time possible. And I'm not going to yeah. teach anybody a lesson, and I'm not going to like you know if some guy says something you know snide and I'm supposed to respond to it, it takes too much energy out of me. It makes me not want to be on online at all, you know, and it's like, that's not what I'm here for. So I think that I really am trying to, especially now with the new years, I'm really trying to deal with 
you know, less, uh, less time spent dealing with nonsense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it makes sense. Yeah. And I don't want and the, I, yeah. I don't want the problems. I don't, I really, honestly, I'm a miserable human being and, and it's just like <laughs> all these little things get to me and same thing with Mareko. He gets, he gets, you know, somebody says something and they don't like what he says, you know, he doesn't like what they say. And it's just like, it does put you in a mood that you're just like, it's hard to get out of. And I know we should be more thick skinned. I think that's the crux of it. You're just opening up for people to voice their opinions and yeah, just not be very nice about things. It is very strange. I mean, now we're, now we're, 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 we've taken with Instagram, with social media, we've taken the work out of having to buy an ad in a magazine or having to buy an ad in a newspaper or having a, or hiring a public relations company. We're doing everything ourselves, but you still have to deal with the, you know, you put something out there and you deal with the response. Everything can't be wonderful, but you're just like, I don't have time to deal with the stuff that's not wonderful, you know? And it just gets to the point where it's like, where do you toe the line in terms of, well, what do I want to do? What do I don't want to do? One thing I've done now is we're trying to do more uh, for 2020 is I'm trying to have more stuff sell directly on our website. So I can make a five knives and then send a picture to Tony, write a little bio. And then it's, you know, now we have the uh, the software so you can actually purchase and it's connected to the PayPal. It's connected to the shipping and then yeah. it's one touch. And then, you know, you're, there's no emails back and forth. There is no DMing because you buy it or don't buy it. So that's one thing that I, we were, we're trying to do way more this coming year. Yeah. To streamline things a bit. Well, it also takes away a lot of the problems. I mean, we get DMs. We've talked about this a million times. Somebody will send us a DM. How much is that? How much is that? And then you go back and forth with the person, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's such a huge waste of your time. And it gets frustrating. That's why people say, don't don't send me DMs. Or that's why people say, you know, serious inquiries only. It, it just becomes, sometimes you're dealing with people. And I'm sorry to say this. You're, some, you're good-natured people who think you want to like, I'm getting real nasty right now, but it's some people you're just, you, you, you're just trying to like, you're trying to curtail any unnecessary, you're trying to be more streamlined. Exactly what you said. Yeah. And I think as much as we've talked about in the past, they you know if you're a, a knife maker and you work just yourself, or maybe you've got a very small team, you need to put on all these hats. So you're, you know, you're, your marketing manager, you're a sales manager, you're all these things. And I'm just thinking, maybe it doesn't need to be that way. Maybe you can just say, look, this this is my feed. I own this. This is my thing. And I'm not going to sort of bow to any pressures for anything. You know, people DM, you know, I've got, you know, 70 DMs unopened. And I'm fine with that now. I'm just like, well, so, you know, it's it's my feed and I want to use it the way I want to. I'm not going to let other people dictate how I should be spending my time. And I know that sounds a bit crass because it's, it's you know, customers or potential customers, but 99.9% isn't, isn't that. And I've, right. I've even gone so far with sort of personal, like, you know, with my Facebook and like, you know, family members and things like that, that just post shit. You know, everybody's got these, you know, crazy uncles and aunties that just post absolute crap and you cringe when you see it. I'm just like, nope, unfollow, unfollow. You know, if they comment something on one of my posts, I'll just delete it. And I'm just thinking, it, it's mine. I own that now. That's my piece. You know, I'm not going to let other people control it. Um, and my wife's like, you can't do that to, you know, great Auntie Mabel. <laughs> Get rid of Auntie Maple. She's done. Who cares? It's not real life, you know? It's not real life. So, 
yeah, I think take back control of over the, this this sort of our own sort of social accounts and not let it sort of get us down and drag us down, maybe. Which is well, but the funny thing is to what I was saying the other week about having to wear all these hats. But the funny thing is, is if you look at like the you know if social media is the mind, you're you're seeing people say things and do things that they've seen before. They're not no one's really doing original thoughts anymore. They're using expressions. I hear my daughter tells me the new slang. Next thing you know, someone else says the new slang. And you're you're seeing this like the way people dress, the way people inter you know interact. And now with the political people using memes to kind of be uh be very snide in terms of exp- <laughs> or just to, you know, trying to change someone's mind from some bullshit meme. There's definitely the sense that people aren't nuanced enough in the way they think or speak. And they're just used to what other people are saying. And they're even referring to, you know, this guy's doing it, so I'm going to do it. Or this guy says this, or I'm going to say it. Or I'm going to use the same cadence someone else uses. There is definitely the sense that people are not, you know, this comes back to when we talk about handpick. Now we're going off the rails. But this is when I talk about handpicks. The reason why I I get, and for some reason, everyone doesn't really understand why they think I just don't like the handpicks. The whole idea is, is, don't do what other guys are doing is try to use your head and try to figure out a nuanced way to, to just kind of like separate yourself out. And part of that is your thinking, your speaking, your talking, your, your, your motivations. And just because this guy does it, it doesn't mean you have to do it. And I, and I think that there's a lot of like people get frustrated over the same things over and over again, because we're not able to think for ourselves. You know, and we're not able to think for ourselves. We're, oh, well, this guy's doing a giveaway, so I should do a giveaway. Well, this guy's tagging a million people, so I should tag a million people. I think when you get to it, I think that there needs to be a little bit more, you know, thoughtfulness and understanding in regards to the way we think about things and not just follow what everybody else does because it just gets exhausting, you know? Yeah. And then all yeah. of a sudden your response is exactly the same. So there we go. That was, that was some fucking question right there. There we go. Well, well, we're half an hour in and we've done two <laughs> Just like last week. Just like last week, this. Fine by me. Fine by me. <laughs> uh, all right. So this comes from Lit Forge. What's your go-to weapon to defend you and your family? And if it's not your knife, why not? Words. <sighs> Words? I'm not a man of violence. Words. Talk no. my way. Talk my way out of things. Talk my way out of it. I'm yeah. under the impression that if you, uh, that you, if you, uh, if you, if there is an attacker in your home and you're buck naked, that helps. That yeah, helps to, I can that imagine. That helps to diffuse the situation. <laughs> Take them by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and with that said, chub up a little bit. Why not? <laughs> Why not? I think that if you came to the door half-masked, with a little bit of blood flow, and whatever you had... I think you're you would probably dissuade I think there would be a lot of dissuasions. I uh a friend of mine is uh one of the police <laughs> I'm gonna talk about I have I've been friends with the police department of Peekskill and I've been, I actually talked to the chief. He did not suggest getting an erection and run to the door. But um <laughs> our dogs hate hate everybody, including the if you come on our porch, you got problems. So 
one of yeah. the things is our barking dogs prevent everyone from coming even to our house. I got to apologize to the the post office people. I got to apologize to the the U.S. U.S. Uh, the all the mail people. They hate people don't like coming to our house because our dogs go totally crazy. So the answer is I'm going to come to the door with an erection, a baseball bat, and my <laughs> dogs barking. Nice. There you are. Nice. So the the first line and, of defense and, is the and dog. I'm gonna have some the second line of defense is you have, And I'm gonna have your soupy pee. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spray <laughs> dark urine everywhere. Jeez, that's <laughs> that's the flu talking. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Yeah. There you go. No, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my voice. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. All that. Boof. All right. Let's go. Okay, Bass and the Beast has asked, and this is a good one for you, actually, Jeff. Um, I've got a question. When gluing up a full tang with a decorative filing, how do you keep the epoxy from getting in the crevices? Yeah, I love the file work. And the reason why is because it's such a nice little detail. It's just a little detail that gives you a little bit of something different. Um, I have my... Uh, I have the, so, so what happens is before you heat treat your knife, you take your ruler and you take some uh, files and then you make, you know, your file, your decorative file work. And then after it's heat treated and everything like that, what, when you put the handle together, you, if you, what I do is I get epoxy to part epoxy and I, you know, and I mix it with the color. The reason why is the color fills the void of where the uh, file work is. And then when you clean everything off, you have like, um, you know, those crevices are filled. And why I like that is because shit can't get in there. You know, you're, you're, you're sealing it and you're giving it a real nice finish and there's not going to be dirt or stuff that can, you know, stick in there that you don't want to have to clean out with like a whatever. Uh, I would imagine, I know some people do it without, I know it was, uh, especially with folders. I know that Josh Smith made these beautiful folders, with Will Stelter, and they had file work on the liners. And obviously if you, you know, if you have liners and stuff like that, it's probably pretty hard to put, you won't put epoxy, you won't put epoxy in there. I would think, and this is based on what you said a couple episodes ago, when you guys, when you talk to the guys at West Systems, mm-hmm. you want to go the least amount possible. Uh, of of file work uh, uh, if you want to make sure that there is no if you're doing a if you're doing a full tang knife with the file work uh with no epoxy i would imagine you go super super thin maybe you want to pack i don't know because i don't do it but i would say maybe you want to pack that file work with wax or something yeah that that'd be a weird, weird one because i think if you've got file work in the tang you know in the handle part there um You'd want to protect it. You'd want to flood it with the epoxy. That's, you know, I've that's seen my, a lot of guys who don't, yeah. especially with takedown knife guys, guys who uh, I know with a lot of liner lock guys, um, they're not using pins and mecha- they're not using Corby bolts. Mm. They want to be able to re- take it all apart to clean it all. Um, I would think for me, the epoxy really is to fill the void, but also it's a sealer. It's a sealer that prevents stuff from getting inside. I would think that maybe you could put some sort of resist, some sort of resist in the file work. Uh, you want to make sure that you, or you just want to do the least amount of, of epoxy possible, you know, real thin, thin layer and just mask out where the file work is. So you don't get epoxy oozing through there, but I don't know. That's a good yeah, one. So you get a little, little squeeze out. Either. Yeah. So the yeah, well, filing what... that I do is generally across the spine. Right. So not on the uh, the tang area. So that bit, I, I don't, you know, it, it won't get any epoxy on it, and it, it's quite easy to keep clean that way. 
But um, yeah, I, I don't think I've seen a knife where the um, the tang is filed and it hasn't I've been seen a couple with epoxy. But I've uh. seen a couple. I, I, like I said, the reason why I don't do it is because I just don't want to see all like the dust bunnies and stuff getting in there. You know, all the yeah, all the nonsense. So yeah, you've got like greasy hands and you're cutting up some chickens or something, you know, it's all going to go into there. And if it's, and if it's a carbon it's steel knife, out. Hmm. if it's a carbon steel knife, if it starts to rust in there, how are you going to clean out without ruining your, I mean, yeah. I don't know how you'd clean it out without ruining your, uh, your fit. I, I would think the only thing I could think of would be to make sure that you're, uh, you're not using Corby's, you're using bolts and then your handle bolts are, you, know, you can take it apart to clean it up. That's all I can think. But there we go. What what can you do, ladies and germs? Um, all right. Well, with that said, let's talk about one of our sponsors, uh, Indasi USA. Uh, they make Rhino Wet. Rhino Wet is this sandpaper that is made for metalworkers, and I love it. I first heard about it from Nick Wheeler. Shout out to Nick Wheeler, um, and it is by far a better quality sandpaper than the stuff you'd get down the hardware store. All, all sandpaper is not the same. Uh, and this is, this is real special. Rhino wet is awesome. And it isn't like super, super expensive either. And if you go to the Texas farrier supply, they are selling Rhino wet. And they're, if you put in promo code knife talk 10, you get 10% off. It's worth it. They also have other knife supplies. The Texas Ferry Supply has all other knife supplies. They have, a, we're talking about epoxy. They get epoxy dyes. They have blacksmithing stuff. Um, it's definitely worth it. If you're thinking, I don't know what to get, get some 220 Rhino Wet. Just get 220 Rhino Wet and just get a one pack of 220 Rhino Wet and tell me how you feel. Um, thank you, Indos USA, and thank you, to Texas Ferry Supply. There we go. Knife Talk 10, 10% off. We've got another question from Matt Voigt, Custom Knives. Hey, guys, I was wondering if you've ever traded a knife for goods. If so, what's the coolest thing you've ever traded one for? Um, he just said that he's just traded one to an older gentleman for access to his land that has lots of oak, walnut, and maple burl, more than he'll ever need. Nice, nice trade. Um, I've never traded, but I've been offered some weird stuff, I suppose, for knives. Um, like but what? I never have. What weird well, stuff? Well, people, you know... People do all sorts of things. You know, they've got an old car that, they, you know, they want to scrap. And they're like, oh, I'll swap for you one of your nice. And what am I going to do with an old scrap car, you know? <laughs> and um, what are those, you know, there's like, you see all the kids on them, those electric scooters. Yeah. I was out the other day and I was talking to someone. I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, I make knives and so on. He's like, well, what can I swap you one of my scooters? And I'm like, no, I don't want a scooter. No, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. But you no, know, I've the, never the, have actually traded. I've traded a lot of sculpture for things, but for in terms of knives, my, I basically make knives for my tattoo artist Pat Conlon, and I've been—I haven't paid for a tattoo in God 15 years. He, I've been giving him stuff for 15 years. He—we just trade tattoos. I'm tired of getting tattoos. P.S. But um, I've done that. But I've actually traded both the car that I'm in now, my Jeep, and my last car. I traded for sculpture. I had wow. a friend. My last car was a Ford Escape, and they wanted to get rid of it, and they wanted one of my sculptures. So I said, all right, well, why don't you well, come on over and pick whatever one you want? They were all small, um, these bird sculptures. Hmm. And they picked one that, that I didn't like at all. 
And I was just like, fucking good. It's all <laughs> Get rid of that yours. joke. <laughs> and they gave me the title, and it was that. And then this, the Jeep now, which is like, I love this Jeep so much. I love it so much. I traded it for a sculpture for uh, the sculptures outside of Finn and Brew. One of them. One of the three sculptures I have out in Finn and Brew. And God, I love trading sculpture for cars. Um, that's the best stuff I've ever traded. I haven't been for knives. Um, I'm wondering, I got some, you know, I got some friends, you know, who are at restaurants and, you know, they'll throw in, you know, dinners and stuff like that. I've done that before. Yes, yeah. Um, but I'm not, I'm not a, but you know, you know, the worst part about bartering is that especially when you're, when I was making sculpture and I had friends of mine who were making sculpture, the worst and most embarrassing part is when somebody wants to trade art for art. And the worst problem is if you're friends with somebody, you can be friends with somebody and not like their work. But if you got a friend and they start to say, Hey, I thought maybe we could trade, you know, one of my paintings for one of my, one of your sculptures. And in my mind, I'm like, God damn you! Why do you at what? Now I got to tell you no. <laughs> now I got to tell you no. And then, you, and then in my mind, it's kind of like Larry. I I love Larry David. I totally identify with it, with this whole thing. I'm just like, God, what kind of friend are you that you would? you would try to get me to now i gotta reject you you know now i have to figure out a way and then i, I can't just say no nah, i don't really want to i gotta figure out what you're gonna do when you say oh you don't like my work you know it's just like it's just like god please don't don't put me in this position where i have to be a just a miserable person you know don't make me don't make me more miserable than i already am so that's the answer for that yeah expect lots of trades uh in your dms coming up this week Oh, yeah. And the answer is no. The best part about this podcast is everyone thinks I'm, they know, they're getting an idea that I'm miserable. So I can, I'm much more uh, short with with this, people at the DMs. And I'm convinced they're just like, ah, I heard, I know Jeff's, Jeff's a bit of an asshole. That's fine. He, he don't mean it. That's true. I don't mean it. But I'm going to be short with all of you. So if you get Look. like champagne glasses chinking or now my new thing is the handshake get rid i should i fucking gotta i gotta stop i do the handshake emoji a lot now and i ruined it for myself just now so there you are you get the handshake emoji <laughs> for me it means all right we're you know done, what that means. talking yeah we're done i gotta so find you want to trade for ex exposure in any way uh that'll be in my beefs that's gonna be my beefs i had a couple of influencers hit me up this uh this past couple of weeks and, and i was sick and we'll talk about that later ah uh. So the next one comes okay, from okay. Daigle Knives. Daigle Knives. Hey, cutie, got a question. Oh, I'm sorry. I just, oh, oh no, this is, no, this, is tra this is another trade question. This is all right. Sorry, Daigle. We are all squared away. Hey, cuties, I got a question. If you could trade places with another knife maker for a week and have their skills, who would it be and why? I love this question. Who would you trade? Who would you trade for a week? Hmm. Oh, I, I, I need some thoughts on that. All right. Well, I'll tell you who I would trade with. I would like to be, I would like to be in the mind of Nick Anger for a week. He is such an interesting person and he's totally like, besides talent, I've talked about him a million times, besides talent, like I feel like he is closer to being a sculptor than a knife maker. And he's very, very, his, his, He's very, very science. He's a very interesting guy, and he has a, he has a, actually, he, um, without saying a whole lot, he was in, uh, he was a social worker before he was a knife maker. So he's dealt with a lot of personalities. He's dealt with people, you know, he's dealt with people, and he's just, he's a very cerebral guy, and he's very scientific. You know, he understands knife making, 
to the point where he can kind of push away all the technique and just let something be the thing. And I'm grabbing this piece of steel and I'm going to put it together with this one. And it just, it is what it is. And, and I, I love, I love his mind and I'd love to be, uh, be Nick Anger for just one week. I don't know if I can handle more than a week. He, he'll look crazy. <laughs> he'll look crazy. So you talking yeah. about, you know, the solstice and the solstice of this and that and the other thing, a handful of mushrooms here. And I don't know if I could handle more than a week of being Nick Anger. Actually, I don't know if I could handle a whole day, but it would be fun <laughs> if I knew that I was coming out of the Nick Anger head after a week. I could handle it, I think. What do you think? Okay, I think Fingal. Fingal Ferguson. Ooh. He lives in a beautiful part of the world. He, I mean, he makes great knives. That's, you know, that's, that's by the by. But, you know, he's a, he's a family man. He's got these great families, uh, this great family, and they all seem to live on this farm. Um, and I just love the idea. You know, I, I used to have, you know, a few animals, you know, pigs and sheep and all that kind of, and I loved it. And I loved having the space and I loved doing that kind of thing. And I don't know, he just seems to have fun with his kids. Uh, just the other day, he put, I don't know if you saw it, he posted, he, he was, I think he was pulling a, a, via a tractor. He had these kids in a, yeah. um, like a go-kart behind. Right. And they had a top hat on and they're whooping as they're going through these lanes. It just looked like a lot of fun. And he's right on the coast and I love being next to the sea. Um, I think he's living a pretty sweet life. So I think uh, a day in Finkel's shoes would be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. He's he seems like a very interesting character. And that book he got out, mm. if you don't, we're gonna plug his book right now. His book it's called Wood Gabine. He Gabine. It's called Gabine, right? And it's That's all about farm. his Gabine, family yes, and their yeah. yeah, but the book's called Gabine too, right? Yeah, yeah, it's named after the farm. Yeah, totally. yeah. Right, yeah. it's a great book, and you can get it on Amazon. And it shows him and his his family, and they got a food recipe, and they got he 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 is a fascinating character. He's a fascinating character. He, he almost had it too good. He almost had it too good. But I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he's miserable just like everybody else. There you go. Maybe. Um, Want to keep going or? We'll do another one. Snag J3L, I think. Snag J3L. Rolls off the tongue. Hey, hey guys, Happy New Year. How does your sharpening process look like? Is it Japanese water stones? Is there a tarmac? Is it off the belt? Um, he loves the podcast, and he says, bring AC back. Bring Ashley back, Ashley Childs, maybe one day. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. what do you what so, do? you do? I do um, – I use a Tormac still, and I love it. And I know a lot of people have issues with Tormac saying they're very, very slow. Um, but I grind basically down to a very thin edge anyway. I use the, the rougher um, – edge of the well you dress the wheel with a tarmac to different grits and so on so i dress it as rough as possible just to get down to uh, the sharp edge i then redress the wheel so it's a um a higher grit um higher grit or lower i always get the two mixed up so it's higher grit smoother a higher yeah it's higher smoother um but then i've got a a third wheel uh, sorry a second wheel which i then bring on which is their their white uh their japanese waterstone which i think is a two two thousand five hundred grit and it just literally just takes a couple of swipes just and it's done so most of the grinding is on the tarmac is done with that you know that rough dressed wheel um just a couple of swipes once i redress it and then just a couple of swipes on the second wheel and it's done so once you've got everything set up and you've got a system, let's say I've got 20 knives to go through. Um, I do them all roughly. Then I dress the wheel. Then I do them all in that new dressing. And then I do them all on the third wheel, on the second wheel. Um, so I actually quite enjoy the whole process as well, just you know, getting everything lined up and set up and just spend maybe an hour or so and just going through them. 
Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy using the tall Mac, but I, know, I can see why some people really dislike them. When I got mine, I had water everywhere. I like had to put a tarp down. <laughs> I was like, what is this water? I don't know. I'm doing it backwards. I'm doing it forwards. Oh jeez. I had a nothing but. I had nothing but. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. I know that uh, uh, J- Jonathan Porter has a pile of them. He uses them. I use belts. I like belts. And I actually mm. heard, I saw I saw a long time ago, I saw Bob Kramer. He uses belts. And another, uh, I think Jay Nielsen uses belts too. And what I do is I have my, um, I actually changed the platen. I cut a new hole in the platen arm. So uh, actually Noah Vashon did a video on how he uses the belts too. So I made a new hole in my platen so I could make it almost, um, so the platen is facing up, and then I use the section between the platen, uh, pyrex of the platen, and the wheel, and it's just got enough give that I go. Th- I, wait, I wait, have wait, it. Wait on- a second. Go the, ahead. The platen is facing up. The platen is so facing maybe maybe not a hundred percent ninety degrees, maybe just like fifteen degrees. Okay. So okay. I, I cut a new hole in it so it goes more than forty five degrees, and then okay, it's like and it's and then the the bottom wheel is about my chest. The bottom wheel of the platen arm is at my chest, so uh, or my stomach, I should say. And then I use the section between um, the top of the platen and the rubber wheel. It has just enough give that I can do a nice quick edge. And then I have my grinder on um, the slowest setting. And then um, I go usually an old 120 belt. One swipe gets me the burr. Then the 220 belt cleans it up, a 400 grit. 800 grit and then i get on the buffer and i get a mere finish uh, edge and it's razor sharp i like it it's fast i keep a water bucket i'm constantly dipping in because i don't want to ruin the temper of my knife um i've never had a problem especially when it's going very very slow i'm actually going to be next week i'm going to be i have a new grinder company coming over to the shop but bringing a grinder company i'm very excited um to use their grinder and i'm going to talk about that on the next episode i'm very fired fired up about uh, this new grinder company i'm doing something with but i like doing it that way because it's super quick and i'm just i i i've done the water stones when i was in col in uh, culinary school i would love i like to watch Kasumi Kev and I like to watch uh, uh, all the guys using the water stones. I, I watched uh, when I was in Barcelona. I saw uh, Tomer using the water stones. I would love to get more into it, but I'm be honest with you, I do like the idea of a, sending the knife off with a mirror finished edge, and that mm-hmm. was one of the things that like I wanted to feel like this is you are the first person using this knife, you know. And sometimes I think when you do it with the water stones, it's just kind of a little too, it's a little too, uh, that's just my own opinion. I mean, I, I, it's my own opinion and it's worked for me very well. And I just, I like the quickness of it. Yeah. There's no wrong or right way. Some people would say, some people would say that I'm putting too much heat on the blade and then I'm taking the temper off that wire edge, you know, so you, know, little, you know what you're doing. You've tested your blades. We'll I'm see sure. if we know what we're doing. I mean, I, I, nothing <laughs> goes out without, you know, I do some, I do uh, paper paper tests before everything goes. And it, I listen to how it cuts and I see the, the line and maybe go back to the 800, maybe go back to the buffer. And I'll do, I used to do a lot of the buffer. Now I don't, I just do one swipe with uh, mm-hmm. uh, green compound and, and it's great. 
So. What I'd like to try, and, and I haven't done it, is though, have you seen those paper wheels that people use? No, I, ha- I think you've talked about it before. I haven't seen those. Yeah, so I, I think Jeremy, uh, Simple Little Life, he uses these these paper wheels and he gets you know this razor-sharp edge very, very quickly. Huh. And he, he uses a bunch of different things for sharpening. He's got all these different machines. He, you know, sharpening is his thing. But, yeah, these paper wheels, he, he seems to use them a lot and he seems to get a very, very good edge very, uh. very quickly, which is the holy grail, speed and a good edge. And right. That's, right. that's and geometry, because I mean, yeah, you can have yeah, a sharp so. edge with shitty geometry, and your your yeah. your knife is really an axe, you know. Yeah. So, all right. Well, next question comes from Jeff Davidson, Custom Knives. Quick question for y'all: How did you know when it was time to go full time? So, how did you mm. know? You turn to your wife and said, "This is it. I'm gonna pack it up, get out of the cubicle. Time for full time." Yeah, um, it was without sounding too millennial about it. I think it was a compulsion. Well, you're clearly oh, not. You're a boomer. Okay, boomer. <laughs> okay, boomer. Um, I think it was more of a compulsion, rather. And I shouldn't have gone full time when I did because you know I wasn't in the money and the rest of it. But I didn't want to be doing anything else. Anything else just made me unhappy. And I was only happy when I was in the workshop. And I was finding that I was just spending more and more time in the workshop. Um, not necessarily earning money, um, but just doing what I, I love. And um, I'm very fortunate that my my wife uh, is successful at what she does too. So, you know, we had a little bit of leeway that way. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think looking back, if it was purely a financial decision, I probably still wouldn't be full-time now. Yeah. Um, I, I You know, I could make more money doing what I was doing in the past, which was sort of web development, that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, it didn't fulfill me. I wasn't happy. Right. Um, I'm a lot happier now, but I, I would say by no means am I full time. You know, I, I, we've got young children here. My, my wife and I both work from home. So we, we, you know, we sort of, you know, we, we take the time to spend as much time as we can with with our babies too. So I wouldn't say I'm full time, but, um, I do work irregular hours. You know, I'm not nine to five. I right. sometimes won't get in the shop till 3 p.m. and I may work till sort of 9, 10 p.m. or some days I'll be doing early mornings. Um, yeah, so I think everybody's going to be different. And we have this question come up quite regularly, you know, when is the time to go full time? And it's, you know, it's easy to say, you know, you know, if you've got the orders in, you know, just just jump and do it. But you know, it depends on your on your background. You know, whether you know what you were earning previously and what you what you require, to, you know, to sustain your lifestyle the way it is, or whether you want you know a change of lifestyle. It's it's completely different for everybody. But just just consider that it's. I don't know anybody who's making a hell of a lot of money by making knives. Um, a lot of people, very, very successful knife makers still have a full-time job or at least a part-time job too. Um, so it's it's not all a high-five and handshakes. Right. Um, but um, you'll know. You'll know when it's time. And, and I think a lot of that for me was an emotional decision rather than a financial decision. Is it possible that we also have this strange feeling of what's full-time and what's not full-time? I mean – I, I know people who work, work very, very hard. I mean, I, I talk about Jonathan Porter all the time. He does, he's got, uh, he's got uh, Doghouse Forge. He does uh, doing, you know, knives all the time, but he's also spending a few days a week as a farrier. And I, I he's constantly working. I mean, you're seven days a week. I mean, and I think that we have this weird back to what we were talking about in regards to, 
what is you know what is is there like is there like a demarcation uh point where it's full time or 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 not full time uh for me i i went i was in two metal shops and the last metal shop i was in was in my town and it was great except for the money was good the money was okay but it was like it was killing me because we were it was just a pump pump shop where just pumping pumping stuff out and as soon as we were done it would go into the truck and go off to a installation or or it was like there was it was constant pressure and pressure and and the it was, the money wasn't worth it and i got reached out by a, a, someone i know who asked me if i wanted to be a carpenter for him and there was a lot more um opportunities for me to grow and and make money and i wanted something different and i was very encouraged to do it and it just didn't work out and it didn't work out in a very unceremonious way. And I was let go and our daughter was very young and I was making sculpture on the side. So I had a job and I was making sculpture and it gave me the opportunity to make sculpture for shows. And I was applying to shows and I was being involved in shows and I, I could spend, you know, the very critical points making work. And then once I lost my job, our daughter was also very young too. And she needed you know, she was young enough that she needed someone to be around, especially for our pickups and stuff like that. So it got to the point where my wife was just like, look, mm. I would rather you be around um, and then we can we can take care of, you know, our daughter, you know, and stuff like that. So my shop was in the garage and I started, you know, making sculpture full time and I was taking on commissions. And then when my buddy John Ledford opened up uh, Hudson River Ironworks, we started, he opened it up like two miles from my shop and we were teaching classes and then it was, it was work, it was very convenient. And then when I started, uh, I helped uh, a uh, Matt Paul class, Matt Paul did uh, MP knives did a knife making class. I was like, oh, I can do this. So that's how it really started. It got to the point where it was like, I didn't really say I'm going full time or not. It was, we had, a, we had certain, um, we had certain uh, things that we needed done for our home to make it valuable for us. And it was valuable for me. We made the decision as a family that it was more important that somebody was around for Lila so I could do my work from yeah. home. But in regards to, is it, you know, and then as she's gotten older, she's much more independent. And I, my shop is now not, my shop is, uh, you know, two miles away from my house. And I'm, we're able to give, we have, she's got more independence. And I think, I think it's really a question of what you're willing to do. You know, what, what, and what makes you happiest? You know, I've talked to Mike Quisenberry. He's a, a, a train engineer and he makes, I mean, master bladesmith. He makes, he makes knives for the, for the money, uh, for a little extra spending money. And then he doesn't have to take on jobs he not want to do. So I think you can find a, a sweet spot in regards to what's going to make you happiest. I don't necessarily think just making knives all the time is going to make you happy. It's mm, figuring out what's going to give yeah. you satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. And I think it it will be a case of, you know, you work when the money's well, when the money's there too. If you're taking whether right. it's custom orders or whether you're taking uh whether you're putting stuff up on the site for people to people to buy. There's gonna be times when they you know, you're gonna have to weather the storm a little. So when the times are good, I think you sort of you know, you need to make hay while the sun's shining. You know, it, it's, it, there's going to be ups and downs. So, you know, just prepare for that. You know, you're not going into a nine to five where you're getting a paycheck at the end of every month, no matter what you do. It's up to you. So it's, well, also, yeah, there's a lot to consider. I will say this. Once, once you've gone full time is you can't live for the holidays. 
that is like something this year we're really like I can't base my entire uh, business around Christmas time. And that yeah. this has been the first year where I'm getting steady, steady work, steady, steady orders the whole year round. Christmas, we get a nice big bump. This year, believe me, honest with you, I, I, I was a lot. It was a lot less than I expected in the past. We didn't get as many corporate orders. We didn't sell as many gift certificates, which is good and bad. Um, it's good because it allows me to not be behind in my builds. Now I can do, I can be more forward thinking in terms of our business. So instead of catching up on 10 uh, gift certificates, I can make 10 knives to sell on my website directly. I think the most important thing with going full time is not hoping you're going to get more business, but figuring out ways to make more business because, you know, going full time isn't just like, all right, I'm not, I don't have another job making knives. It's thinking about how you can proceed in this business all year long and grow. That's what business is. Business isn't just about, you know, maintaining status quo. It's about building the next day we're going to do more. Or so that's, I mean, that's why I think that's the most important thing is to have the mindset of, all right, well, I'm, you know, making five knives a month and that's just it, but it's thinking, how can I make this better and how can I make more money? How can I be more efficient? How can I more, it, it, there's a lot more thought involved. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, it, it is, it's very varied. So, you know, there's obviously, you know, making knives and getting an income that way. Um, but, you know, I've got lots of well, particularly for 2020 now, lots of sort of projects which I've started, which I'll be sort of be unveiling throughout the whole year, which are other ways to, you know, earn an income. I mean, there's there's a book, which I think I may have talked about in the past, and there's this sustainable knife project with this particular product as well. There's all these different things, and they they all add up to being, you know, I wouldn't say time sucks, but they, they take a portion of your time. Right. So you, you're not just, you know, as I say, nine to five, just there grinding knives. There's a million and one other things to do as well. And that's it, what makes it interesting. I like having these projects and doing these different things. The podcast, for example, that, that's a good example. It takes a fair amount of time for, for the three of us every week. Um, but there's 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 rewards in that as well. And I think you need to maybe get out of your head that you will just be nine to five, just grind out knives because there's going to be other stuff to do too. Well, that tail that goes, that dovetails into, into the, into something we usually talk about a lot is, you know, is, is this cheating? Or if I use this, am I cheating? When you start to go into going full time, part of thinking about your business is ways in which to be more efficient. And part of that efficiency is how is my time better spent? My wife said to me, we had, uh, I didn't have any interns in this, this, uh, this past year. I had one guy who was helping me every so often, but she said to me, she said to me, do you think your time is better spent hand sanding? Like, couldn't you get someone to do that? And it makes you think when you think about how your business grows in terms of, you know, being full-time, thinking about efficiencies and like perfect examples, I get my uh, oyster knives water jet cut because for my the price that I keep them at, it's I it's too much time for me to cut them out and dr and drill all the holes and make sure that they're a hundred percent correct. It's it's my time is better spent getting them water jet cut, and these are, now we start to deal deal with real the real issues of going full time versus part time. 
it can you afford to just you know how to make this knife this way and you're just going to multiply the way you make that knife by how many knives you're going to make per month in order to make your nut or are you going to figure out ways in which to cut your time down so your labor's less and then your profits more you know so that's one of the things that a lot of people don't think about. They think about full-time versus part-time, but they don't think, what does it take to get full-time and be successful? I don't, I'm not necessarily sure. I know you said before that no one's making, not a lot of people are making money making knives. I think that there are ways to do it, but back to what we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast, I think you have to be nuanced in your thinking and have real conversations with yourself in regards to what is it going to take me to make not only make me happy, but make sure that I have uh, my rent covered, my insurance covered, and, and my bills covered, and how can I do this? And you have to have this real thought that's not based on, well, this guy went full-time. When am I going to go full-time? You know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we've had some tips from you guys too. Hey, you, you know what you should do? Okay, the first tip is from American Wastelander. And he said, one tip I have is instead of thinking of the people who purchase your product as customers, think of them as clients. Customers is synonymous with consumers. We don't make consumer products. We make heirloom and purposeful utility items. So clients require more interaction and often develop a better relationship with the maker. And that's the words of American Wastelander. Well, I'm not sure I fully agree, to be honest with you. Um, Me neither. Yeah. With the peace and love, American Wastelander, <laughs> we're with you. We're 100% with you and we're not going to beat you up. It's nice to think that we all make heirloom and purposeful utility items. Um, but the people who buy them, to me, they're my customers. They're, you know, right. It's, it's semantics, clients, customers. I, it, potato, it, it is, honestly, it's, it's, it's how it, – I like the idea that he thinks – very uh, strongly about his customers, and I do too. Mm. I think customer service is super, super, super important. And I think that a lot of guys will realize that good customer service goes way more, uh, go way farther than not good, bad customer service. In regards to client versus customers, I honestly, I don't say clients because I don't know. It's just to me, it, it doesn't, I don't think, it, it, I don't think it either way means anything. I, I like the idea of, I try not to be too um, finicky. I don't, I don't name the, I don't get too name, you know, I don't get, I don't name the knives. I don't get like, I don't, I don't like think, I don't even remember like five guys who I, I, I have, I've seen recent emails from people say, Oh, you know, I love this knife. I want to make another one. I'm thinking, I don't even remember that knife. <laughs> so I, 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 I like to be a little bit, you know, it's out the door and this customer's happy and that's the end of it. The client also makes you think that they're going to, you got them, you know, you make a knife and they're going to call you back in two weeks saying, I need another one. That's not the case. The client usually, to me, re refers to as someone who's constantly, I'm constantly working with. Yeah. And sometimes these are not the case, but, you know, God bless you. I, I like the I like the fact that he uh, feels strongly, you know, feels strongly towards his customers. I think that's important. So who's got the next tip that we can dismiss? The... <laughs> All right. How to make your pee more clear. All right. No, um, this one comes from Cascadia Axe. Here's a tip. Use paste wax on the shop toilet seat so when you have a negligent discharge, it runs right off the seat. No cleanup. So he likes to keep his toilet seat slick. He does. 
Jeez. Yeah, well, that's that's a that's a tip and a half. Nothing well, to be said there, I don't think. Uh, all right, well, he don't like, you know, it's fine. <laughs> I don't want negligent discharge. I, I'm more worried about the negligent discharge. It's the word discharge that I'm worried about. Yeah, I think maybe he needs to go and get You never know where, sort of you don't up. know what hole that's coming from, do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's coming from anywhere. I will tell you that my first shop in 1996, it was a communal shop, and I could never understand why um, there was little these little blood squirts Oof. on the toilet, and it turns out that there was a heroin addict oh, living in the building, and he was just like jagging himself in the leg every five minutes. Oh, that was a negligent discharge. That was when young Jeff was didn't thought, oh, maybe someone's got a bloody nose every day in that one spot, you know. So, <laughs> Mike Thomas one three seven one. His tip is uh, to help to refine the slot of your handguard for a nice fit up. He uses. I thought he was going to say a chainsaw then, but it's a chainsaw file in my drill to ream and clean the slot before I solder it onto my blade. Hopefully this helps. Thanks for the podcast, gentlemen. We, with appreciation and gratitude, happy new year. I do like chainsaw files. Mm. Mm, I use chainsaw files. They're nice and they're nice and thin. I, I like the fact that he puts it in a, in a, in a, in a drill. Yeah. It seems it, intense. Yeah. Nice. All right, the next one comes from Bail to Handmade. Bail to Handmade. Uh, yeah, Bail to Handmade. I've got a few tips on removing epoxy before it sets. Uh, this is what I use, brake cleaner. It's far more skin-friendly than acetone. It's not as aggressive, but will clean just about anything. I use it for degreasing, too. doesn't get in one's nose. I prefer to have it in a pump-up pressurized squirt bottle. It's relatively cheap out of the gallon, uh, and I get it at a, a car parts shop. Brake cleaner. It's the butts. It's the nuts. Sorry, man. It's the nuts. It's the <laughs> fuck me. Nuts, nuts. It's the it's the mutts nuts. I never understood that whole balls nuts, thing. Nuts, like, no. Yeah, the balls. Somebody, somebody, somebody texted, sent a message saying, "Man, I like to watch Jeff cook because it it's it's the his food is the bollocks." I'm like, hey, well. So my ball, my my food's like nuts. Nuts. I understand. So this thing about uh, removing epoxy before it sets, we get lots of tips and questions about that. But I just wonder how much epoxy are you guys using because I use a shit. I mean, this guy's so saying he, he's buying full blast. He's buying this brake in gallon containers. That would last me like forever. Um, I use yeah. very very little epoxy, um, and that that's the way the manufacturer is intended to be used as well. It's a small film. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. Can I go? Can I ask you a question about epoxy? I know that you use West Systems, and I yeah. started using West Systems after I saw uh, Tomer using it for his uh, uh, his uh, stacked handles. Yeah. And when I first started mixing it together, it was super loose. It, it was too loose. So they make, I guess, West Systems makes a silica powder, and that's what he uses because yeah. you gotta like, you don't want it to like especially with the file work, if it's too loose, all of a sudden you don't have any epoxy staying put in the file work. It's just, just oozing out. Um, do you ever use that silica powder? I don't. Um, but I, I don't find that it's too it's too wet or loose. So they do two different um, hardeners huh. that you can use. So I'm assuming you mean the 105 as the glue. Um, but the hardeners then, right. you can either get 205 or 206. So one's a, a slow setting and one's a fast setting. And I'm not sure which one is which, but I use 206. Huh. Um, but I find once you start mixing it, and I and I mix for a good sort of two minutes to make sure everything you know is really well mixed. Right. 
I, I do find that it's almost like a gel-like consistency. But I've heard a few people say that they huh. find it way too loose and way too watery, and I don't find that. I mean, yeah, maybe it's the temperature you're holding them at. I don't know, but um, I've, I've never really found that. I do like the West Systems, um, but it was a lot better once I bought the, the, the West Systems makes a silica powder, mm. and basically you mix it up, and then if you add the silica by the spoonful you will thicken it up without any different it, it doesn't make it doesn't change the epoxy at all yeah. so i suppose that makes I, a lot of sense a, for you because obviously you need it thicker to fill in those voids of right. a firework yeah so, i don't yeah. want it running out yeah. i don't want it running out of the you know because especially the that the west systems that i've been using it's you know it takes 12 to 24 hours to cure and then you know i walk out and the next day it's all it's all you know on the on the floor yeah yeah no i see what you mean Done Blade Works right. has asked, um, ask makers from other nearby countries about their suppliers. Sometimes they have access to products that you don't, and shipping isn't always prohibitive. There you go. There you go Ask yeah. your neighbor. Here's, comes from, here comes from Spoon Under the Nuts, Dan Pedersen, oh, the, guy who, who got, <laughs> the guy who destroyed Craig for the all-beef review. My top tip is when taking photographs of your knives, if your camera allows it, do a long exposure for about four seconds. As the camera shutter is, uh, opens, use the torch to illuminate the parts that you, that needs it. This eliminates the need to have multiple flashes and light sources. Mm. There you go. Yeah. Not only does he like a spoon, but he likes a flashlight too. He does. He do, you need obviously yeah. you need a tripod for that. Did you ever see that? He also sent us a video where he sent us a video where uh, he is he is, is eating ice cream too. <laughs> I think he was trying to make the point that. Not only can you rub your gooch with a spoon, but you can have a little bit of ice cream too. To cool you down. Yeah. There you go. I think with that tip, Calm I think down. you're obviously going to need a, a tripod for that and um, and decent lights. But yeah, I'll, I'll try that. It sounds good. I like natural light. Natural light is the I hate. I hate dealing with lights. I hate dealing with cameras. I like I like in the morning or in the afternoon, or maybe I bounce a little bit of light into my shop and I'm right at the edge of my shop. But I don't like dealing with lighting at all. I don't like it. It's just too much. One more thing I don't want to have to deal with. I might find. The next one comes from Robinson Knives. You guys should buy shop towels. They're the best thing on earth. <laughs> Think of the planet, Robinson Knives. Think of the planet. Do you know what I love? Mm. If we ever, if my wife and I throw out a, a bed linen, Oh, like it, yeah. that's a pile of fucking. I I take I also get rid of a lot of old t-shirts, and instead of giving them away, I cut the t if they're cotton t-shirts. I use I cut. I have a pile of cotton t-shirts, but then one time my wife was about to throw out this some bed sheets, and I was like, I could use that. I use the fucking bed sheets forever. That's it was great. Call. It was super good rags. I was like, oh my god, there's a pile of there's a pile of of shop rags in this. So I use that. That's the one thing I hate doing, throwing out, you know, all these, like, you know, tissues and things like that that you're using to clean up. And I use a lot of um, cotton buds, which, um, what do you guys call them? You know, the buds you put in your ears. You call them something Q-tips. else. Q-tips, yeah. I, I use a, a ton of them as well. And every time I'm like, this is the one thing that I feel guilty about using now in the shop because I've gone pretty clean with everything. 
Oh, for your oh stuff for your ears. Oh no no no! I'm thinking, no. like, thinking you're rubbing your ears out every day. <laughs> no, this is for you know that tiny little squeeze out of epoxy you'll have. So I'll use you know one Q-tip per per blade on on, on the glue up. And that's the one thing that I always feel guilty about because I can't find an alternative that works better. I I take a little bit of my uh, uh, the t-shirt rag mm. and then I make it into a thin, like hold it between my finger, my, my finger and thumb on both hands. Mm. And then it, usually when I make the, when I, I have my blades clamped into a vise, then I use little clamps and then I tighten up with uh, the Corby's. And before I put everything away, I hit the uh, I hit the uh, spine with a heat gun. Just if there are any air bubbles in the file work, they come up. And then I'll take a piece of uh, like a T-shirt, and then I'll hold it between both my fingers and thumbs, and then I'll have almost like floss. Mm. And then I'll use that. That works great. Mm. And it's almost like a it's almost like a a thin strip of string, but it's it's you know maybe I'll put some epoxy on it, or some acetone on it, and I'll basically floss away all that excess. Ah. Oh. I don't use those Q-tips because I don't like the fact that it's it's radius. Everything's radius. I can't get into a tight corner. I, I use the, the the flat ones, somewhere like paddles. Um, but um, yeah, that's a good tip. And I think going forward, I think yeah, using some like an old old t-shirt or an old you know piece of material, you you I could use you almost use like a pen, you know, like a ballpoint pen, and, and use that to get and look. I used to sometimes I'll wrap a razor a razor blade mm. in the t, in the t-shirt yeah. too. So if I need like a fine detail, I'll I'll put I'll wrap the uh, in a razor knife. I'll wrap the t-shirt the t-shirt up in it with a little bit of acetone, and there we go. I'm stealing that tip. Don't go ahead, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Powell blades. Hey you, you know what you should do? When you cut a piece of sandpaper, cut it in a way that makes sure the piece you're using and the piece left over each have the grit number on the back. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, that way you don't have a piece of mystery sandpaper floating around your shop. That's a very I never good know. Idea. I never. I always do that, and I, and I have to look at. A lot of times, especially the Rhinoet, the colors are a little bit different. Yeah. Like the 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 maybe it has to do with the grit or whatever. But sometimes, but I do I do stack up my strips, and I'm just like I wouldn't even know. But and then you feel it, and you. I I've actually stopped. I've I've stopped with my sandpaper going incrementally. I do. I I use a little bit of 180 if I have it. But it's 220, 400, 800, and that, and then a little bit of 15 once in a while. And lessening all my sandpaper has made it easier for me to identify what I'm using. Yeah. So, but that's a good one. You know, you should, no one thinks about that shit, especially <laughs> you putting it on the, if you're, if you're using it on a disc sander, you can't, you can't orient it. So I better orient it. So that little strip is, you know, I can read it, but that's a good, you know, he's right. Yeah. You should do it. All right. This one comes from Lit Forge. I need many tips, but I know this one. If you are forging and you stamp your knife, test on lead first, even before hardening. Hope this helps. So he he tests his stamp before he hits it mm. just to make sure, I guess, make sure you're holding it correctly. I've done that too. Actually, when I hand stamp stuff, I usually have a two by four. And sometimes, you know, when I, I the only thing I hand stamp now are my oyster knives because the electro etch doesn't go through the mill scale as nicely as a stamp. So I hand stamp my oyster knives and I usually will draw um, a little a line uh, where my center is and then I'll, uh, where I want it to be. And then I'll have a piece of wood and then I'll, and I'll see if I'm orienting it the right way. And then I'll knock it on the wood just in case, because if God forbid you have your, you know, you're doing a letter stamp, you do it upside down. Yeah. Testing it definitely helps. 
Last tip um, from Rob M. Niche. I, th- I think that's the name. When, good enough for me. When heat treating with plates, put an extra set in the freezer to cool your plates in between blades or if they get warm. There you go. Mm. I've just got a bunch that I just sort of slot in. I you know, do one, slot another one in, slot another one, that kind of thing. It is nice. The more plates you have, you don't have to worry about how, how hot they get. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got beef. Okay, I'll kick off with, with beefs this week. And mine is getting old. Everything <laughs> hurts. I've said like earlier, every morning that I wake up, I'm just really struggling. Oh, my joints are achy. I'm just cold through to the bones. Everything's just like, ah, oh, even stepping down the stairs. You're just like, ah, oh, your joints uh, hurt. I'm just getting old and it's happening really, really quickly. And I'm feeling it more and more every day. When I had the flu, I definitely did. I took it worse than I normally do. Like I felt like I wasn't being as virile as I normally to the point where I'm like, my testicles were sore <laughs> throughout the. And I'm just like that. That doesn't happen. It happened before, but <clears throat> not really. I'm just like, my Hillary, Hillary, my testicles are sore. Does that normally happen when you have the flu? And she goes, Yeah, I don't know, man. She's like, Don't ask me all these questions. I don't know. Stop asking me these questions. <laughs> Getting old kind of sucks. Yeah. Definitely creak. I, I, when Hillary and I wake up in the morning, we both say, so what hurts you? What hurts you? Mm. And uh, it's always usually like lower back or you crack in and ugh. And it just takes that, you know, that, that two cups of coffee and just, you know, getting warm and slowly building up for the day. You know, that I used to be able to jump out of bed and I'm away. But now I, it's a slow build up before I can actually do anything. Yeah, youth is what is that expression? Youth is wasted on the young. Yeah, yeah. they don't realize you mother, you little young bastards don't know how good you got it. (laughs) You know what you beefing about this week, Jeff? Well, when I was sick, there was a lot of downtime, and part of the downtime I was reading through my you know DMs and whatever, responding to people, and I got hit with by two two separate influencers, two influencers who wrote me this canned ass email. Um. And I'll try to be vague. Usually, I, every time I try to be vague, I'm super not vague. But um, one guy, his name was like uh, was like uh, Tommy Ventura or something like that. Some he had some wacko name. He was a chef somewhere. Who knows? You know, he had this you know whisper thin beard and teased eyebrows. Is that Robbie Raisins? Is that Robbie Raisins? Yeah, what whatever. <laughs> One, yeah, exactly. He was one of these guys who's like, we got to take pictures of food. We got 45,000 followers. And he just, just starts in with, you know, I'm an influencer and I know that we can build each other's brands using all this nonsense and bullshit. And, and it was like this long, you know, I have a YouTube channel and what if you give me some of your product, I'll review it for you. And you have no idea how people will respond when your product. And I was like, Ugh. and I just wrote him just a very much. I thanks. I just don't do that. Or I don't even think I said it that brusquely. I think I thanks very much. It's not really for me. I said something very whatever, and he was just like unfollow. He just unfollowed me, and it was just like that was that. And then another guy was a freshwater spearfishing guy. The guy who goes in a pond with a spearfishing gun and in a wetsuit, and he's shooting bluegills and trout 
<laughs> with this big old gun. He little Loch Ness monster in some pond. And he, he, he did the same thing. He said, you know, we, our brands can help each other. And I don't think you realize the value. Everybody doesn't think that I can realize that my, their value. Everyone thinks you have no idea the buying power of my, of my, my, uh, my followers have such a high, you know, and then I'm looking at it. He's got, he's got on his, on his, he had, he said, I'll put your, I'll put your, I'll put your, uh, your logo on my fins. So he got oh, like barbecue sauce on his fins, barbecue sauce company, and you know some of these like you know like as in the fish are gonna so buy start buying my knives, you know. <laughs> it's like it was just like and I was nice. Now I, you know what I wasn't even nice. I don't. I think I just deleted the D, the DM. Yeah. And I, I think I think that's the move, but I think that it, it just both of them. And I should be, you know, I still my wife. I said, look at this guy. This guy's swimming in a bathtub, shooting fish in his bathtub. He wants me to, you know, sponsor him or something like that. And and, and she's just like, well, you know what? She she said, she said, you know what? Good for him. He's trying to make take advantage. He's trying to she's trying to figure out a way to make it happen. Why, why are you giving him fritz? And I was like, yeah, I'm just irritated. I was just irritated. And every so often, these influencers. Uh. They do this canned response, and they they want you to they want you hey listen your pro and they start talking about your product and their brands and they're just like it's clearly a, hit a bad fit up. isn't it so he's obviously just DMs you know spamming people you know with this the well, same message I assume ultimately these are we're we're making things that people are they're desirable objects that's why everyone's you know trying to sell them because they're they are desirable you know they look slick they look great they got good designs you can use them you feel like whatever you know you know put them on his hip and hop into the pond with one of my not it's like i get it Scuba but it doesn't Steve. make me happy yeah i mean it's just like hey man just I don't know what my problem. You know what? I'm still not feeling 100%. My balls still <laughs> ache a little bit, not as much as they did. I'm not, but you know, I, I I was irritated by and I was irritated that one and like another one. So my wife was just looking at me like, "What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you?" I'm like, "I I don't know." I was irritated. I was irritated by these two guys asking for free shit with no guarantee of anything. That's the thing. It's like there's never, you know, some people, some people, we get these people all the time and say, well, what should I do? What should I do? There's no guarantee with most of these guys. You know, you have to form a relationship and not just, there you go. My beef is those two. Actually, the beef is the flu. I, I, I was a wreck. I was a total wreck baby. The, just balls hurt, everything aching. <laughs> I just, I was a mess. There you go. Serious case of blue balls there, Joe. Uh, Jeff, uh, might have been. I, I was. I don't know what. I don't. Know, I think maybe it's you. Maybe I. Maybe I. I mean, I'm not you. Maybe I'm with you. Maybe it's getting old. I think the getting old is getting old is not is isn't. But P.S. In terms of getting old, you know who calls me dad? Who's that? Did I ever tell you about this? No. You know who calls me dad? Josh Scott. <laughs> when he sends me DMs, he calls me dad. He's got to be about your age. Surely he's just about he's like three, he's a two years younger, three years younger than me. And all of a sudden, with that, he wears that Smokey the Bear hat. He got a gray ass beard with googly ass eyes. He called me dad. That's outrage right there. Josh Scott, come on, man, get up with the program. You're you're just as old as I am, buddy. Community showcase. There we go. The, this community showcase is where we'll give you a, we'll give some love to some people we think that you should be following, blah, blah, blah. We're with you. Craig, 
How, how what, what do you got? You, you know, on the show notes, on the show notes for community showcase <laughs> it says Craig's got for his community showcase getting old. Everything hurts. Yeah, I put him in the wrong bit. I got it. <laughs> I, that's how old I'm getting. <sighs> um, mine is uh, Jared Stiazinski. I'm not sure we've talked about him on the show before, but um, I think he's just a woodworker. He doesn't make knives as such. He's a woodworker, but um, he works with a lot of knife makers and makes these incredible, incredible sires. So I, I sent you a picture this week, Jeff, of one of them. And it was this. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like they use like live edge, you know, wood. So you can see, you know, the, the, the radius of the tree and so on. And he makes these, these, these sires that the, they're just incredible, incredible. So some of them look like just a knife just hanging out of a tree. It's just, yeah. go, go and take a look. So he's Jarad SJ on Instagram. Um, really worth That's a look. Super cool. I don't think he makes knives, but he only does the sires and a lot of other woodworking stuff and cutting boards, that kind of thing, but all really, really beautiful and highly skilled stuff. So go take a look. Jarad Jizinski at Jarad SJ. Well, I would like to give a community showcase to uh, my friend Joe Garnett underscore blacksmith. He's one of the blacksmiths who works with um, Alex Pohl and uh, Steve of Moonshine Metalworks. He's a he's a young guy. He's a super talented blacksmith, and he just they he's a, that team. That is one of the great teams. They're, they're super funny guys. They seem to get along. They seem to get along. I don't know. But they, they, they all seem to have, like, these different roles in that group. Joe is an awesome blacksmith, and he makes beautiful knives. He makes um, forging. All the forgings that he does, especially for Alex, they're beautiful. He's very, like, he reminds me he reminds me of a young Cliff Dufton, which is a high compliment from where I come from. He's very, everything's very clean. Everything's very precise. He's super young, good dude. I'm, I'm, super, I'm super pumped he's out in the world. Um, and guys like him and Alex and, and, and Moonshine are professionally making blacksmithing stuff. It's not out of a garage. They have a business and they're all, they're all trying to get better. And, uh, they're, those are really good dudes. So Joe Garnet underscore blacksmith. There we go. We made it. We made it without any massive technical issues. P.S. Thanks to you for suffering through, but we were, we were fooling around for an hour. Before we started, pressed record. It was nothing but trouble. Uh, we're two hours forty-five so, minutes in you. now. Two hours forty-five minutes, and what's the, the show is going to be about hour and a half, and we still haven't got there. We're, we'll I have sort a new it. Bit. We'll sort it. So a new here's a here's a quick new bit. Instead of what have you? What's the best thing you've had in your in your in your mouth? What is something you're going to do next week that you're looking forward to? Ah, nice. What's happening next? I like that. I like that. Let me think. What am I doing this week? Um, I'll start in just to give you some time. You go. You go. I made three. I got to be real vague. It's not going to be that vague soon, but I made three ninja knives that my buddy Nico Tavernisi, uh, set photographer to the stars, is going to Japan to deliver. I am very, this is a, this is going to be a bucket list Bucket list, awesome thing! I cannot wait. I gave him to him. He's it's Sunday. He's on the plane to Tokyo right now. He's going to be on a big upcoming film, and he's going to give some ninja knives to some real. Well, I don't know if they're real ninjas, but some movie ninjas. <laughs> movie I'm ninjas. Super excited about that. <laughs> so, movie so ninjas. what's a ninja knife? What's a ninja knife look like? 
Ah, uh, he, I really, I call I was making jokes, called it some wrist shit. It was basically like my Alpine ML that was with no handle. It was just like a forged and, and drilled and filed and hammered. It looked like an, something you throw, like a throwing knife. Mm. But it looked like what I would do. So it was cool. He he was just like, I'm going to go in this movie if you want to do anything. I was like, yeah, I got a bucket list this shit. I'm, I'll talk about it when he's going to send me some pictures. He and I got a deal worked out. He's going to send me some pictures. It's going to be some 1980s bucket list ninja shit awesome bullshit. <laughs> nice. That's what I'm looking forward to next week. Nice. So I'm looking forward to, um, we've already alluded to the fact that we're going to start a build along next week. Um. I'm going to be designing a knife that we can use for this build-along, and I'm going to be recording the design process, which we're going to put up on YouTube as part of the the whole thing. Um, so that's going to be fun. So doing some sort of 2D knife designs. Um, really looking forward to that. So make sure you listen next week. So we're going to start the build-along. Um, so you don't need to. You don't need anything at the moment. We're going to say things very, very slowly each week. So next week we're going to be talking about designing the knife, and it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. That's a show, Jeff. There we go. We've done it. We've done it. We oh. held it together. By hook and crook. By hook and crook. Right. We shall speak to you all next week. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.